So you keep trying to get in shape and it keeps not working. I'm Lacey Green, a super trainer with body. That's B-O-D-I dot com. And I've got a story you have to hear. I have a client who came to me because she was really frustrated that every gym or trainer she tried made her feel bad because she was a beginner. She had tried it all and she just felt humiliated. And that's when we started working together and I took her through my three-week program called For Beginners Only. Once she realized that she wasn't the problem and that she just needed the right program, she started to get results. And now she's completely unstoppable and feeling so strong and confident. And I can do the same for you. On the Body app, subscribers lose five to 10 pounds consistently in their first month. And I bet you will too. In fact, CNN underscore just named Body Best Fitness App. And right now, if you sign up for a one-year Body membership, you'll get an instant $30 off. That saves 59%. Just go to Body.com. That's Body with an I.com. Again, that's B-O-D-I.com. Let's do this. All right, Greg Scheiman here, Midlife Mail Podcast time. This week, my special guest, Robbie Sansom. He is the co-founder and CEO at Force of Nature. What's Force of Nature? Force of Nature Meats is a regeneratively sourced meat company based in Austin, Texas. We get into the entire story and spectrum of meat over the course of this episode and Robbie's combination of professional expertise and personal passion is, is remarkable. Um, super intelligent, astute, and well-versed entrepreneur and operator. And he does just an incredible job of articulating their position, their message um, of, of what they're doing there. And he's got some incredible experience and success behind him. His roots run deep in the natural food community. Um, I was a big fan of Epic. Epic provisions, um, the bars, the jerky. He was their CFO and COO um, for years. And he spent much of the last decade studying regenerative agriculture at ranches all over the world. And through this education Force of Nature was co-founded with the intention to accelerate the creation of a global regenerative supply network. There's that word again. I'm getting it now. Regenerative. I'm not getting it. Darn it. We're going to do this again. Regenerative. There it is. Through this education, Force of Nature was co-founded with the intention to accelerate the creation of a global regenerative supply network. There it is. Let's positively reinforce that now and throughout the rest of this episode. Force of Nature works in partnership with land stewards. Robbie calls himself the chief land steward. He doesn't really like that CEO co-founder thing as much as he likes chief land steward. Ranchers and farmers committed to creating a positive return on the planet. With Force of Nature, consumers now have the ability to invest in environmental regeneration by consuming meat that is good for the planet. He is born and raised in Austin, Texas, received both a bachelor's degree and a master's degree from the University of Texas. And when he is not building businesses aimed at saving the planet, he can be found on a trail, ocean, mountain, or field 
always making time to appreciate nature and explore his surroundings. How do you not like all that? How do you not get excited for that kind of conversation? Robbie's also a land steward at Rome Ranch, where he owns regeneratively managed bison. So let's get into this. Force of Nature meets CEO, co-founder, Robbie Sansom on the Midlife Mail podcast. Robbie, thanks for joining me. Uh, so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Excited to uh, get into it with you. It should be fun. Yes. The technical title, as you said, the, the formal one is co-founder and CEO. Um, the preferable title is chief land steward there. <laughs> What's a chief land steward? How do you define that first and foremost? Yeah, well, you know, as as you know, g- given force of nature is a, is a meat company, and in its simplest form, we're, we're selling meat. What we're really trying to do is connect consumers to their the source of their food and help them build a relationship with the with their food and have better awareness into the system, so they can you know elect food systems that better align with their values. I think, generally speaking, if you look at the data and the research, most consumers want food that's better for them want food that has higher welfare standards and want food that's that's better for the environment. And as luck would have it, at least on this planet, the healthier the environment, the healthier, you know, all downstream effects, including welfare, consumer health, animal health, so on and so forth. So, you know, really, we consider ourselves land stewards. We're helping frontline farmers and ranchers and food producers manage their land in a way that improves that land base, improves resiliency, improves ecosystems and wildlife habitat and then serves you know a broader group of stakeholders all the way through that value chain up to and landing on the plate of a consumer. Mm. How do you get the name Force of Nature? You've been part of two companies with amazing names. We'll get into that. But how did you settle on on Force of Nature? And I'm like shocked that it was available, right? Or, or was that like a battle in some way to all <laughs> of that? Yeah, the, the the Force of Nature. You know, we were looking to stand out. I mean, as you do when you're branding and naming companies, you don't want to just blend in and be lost in the fold or lost in the shuffle, I should say, you know, and, and, and really what we're doing is, it, it is a force of nature, right? You know, in, at a time when the conversation around meat has never been more amplified and meat is under attack, we're trying to promote and create awareness that no, it's not the, it's not the meat, it's the system. You know, meat has evolved alongside plants on this planet for billions of years and it's neither plants nor meat that is the problem. You know, it's it's how it's it's our relationship with nature in the way that we make food and the industrial chemical food complex that makes the majority of our food is literally engaging in chemical and mechanical warfare against nature's desire to restore balance. That's what we as humans tend to do sometimes when we really want to control for an output. Intentions were good, but the outcome is pretty awful. A better system that has better outcomes for all stakeholders um, is a system that works in conjunction with nature and and sees the value in its resiliency and the balance and the harmony and the e- harmony and ecosystem health. Right. So, what we are doing is literally leveraging a force of nature to address all the concerns uh, around meat at a really important time because you know meat is the most nutrient dense, most healthy food. Um, and has the best and most positive impacts on uh, all global stakeholders if done accurately. And so, you know, we really need to get that message out and, and leverage the power of what 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 is an idiom that is certainly memorable for most people. So one thing that is obvious to me, it was obvious the first minute we, we chatted, uh, 
you're a super intelligent, smart guy um, <laughs> who articulates his his message, his passion, um, just just really well. We were introduced by a really smart guy, so I, I always respect um, when somebody smarter than I am introduces me to another person who's smarter than I am, and I can sit back and just kind of listen and learn and take in all of this information. What's your background, and personally, educationally, and even how you've combined, you know, your your passions, your personal passions, you know, with your professional expertise. Yeah, well, I appreciate the compliment. First of all, I'm probably getting the benefit of maybe the same hack, uh, life hack that, that you have, which is to surround myself with super intelligent people, learn from them. And then by, <laughs> by association and by those learnings, I can, you know, uh, convey a small portion of that. And it makes me come across probably smarter than I should. Um, yeah, so that's a, it's a great question. Um, you know, I don't think I'm any more complicated than, than most people, but, you know, I definitely have the, the, the parts of my background that kind of molded me and my values and um, my aspirations and what I love to do. And then I, there's a professional background, right? And, and then I think there's a really cool moment, at least in my journey, where those things collided. Um, you know, on the professional front, you know, I went to the University of Texas for my, both my undergraduate and graduate degrees in business. Uh, then followed the beaten path into um, large-scale consulting. So I went to work for Deloitte for a few years. Didn't really like being a small cog in a big machine where we're sort of just perpetuating um, an industry that doesn't as, do as much direct, tangible value creation on the front line. You know, I just didn't feel that sense of fulfillment I was looking for. Did the same thing on a, on a smaller regional scale. Got more experience in business. You know, I liked the, the fundamentals of business, but not necessarily... Um, that sort of nature of service work. And, and, and at a pretty young age in my 20s, I took a sabbatical and just took six months to go search and listen and, and, and meet with people and have lunches and, and, and get a sense of what motivated people. And you know, that was when I found out that most people um, tend to just accept the devil they know um, and are generally unsatisfied and have aspirations beyond their current station. Um, but man, it's human nature to be scared to take a step. And for so many reasons, everybody had, you know, despite a, um, an enthusiasm for change, an unwillingness to, to, to lean into even the slightest bit of uncertainty and, um, you, know, you know, make that great step, which is, um, um, you know, sometimes the, you know, that, that, a saying I love is, um, you know, sometimes the, the, a, a false step is standing still, you know. Um, <clears throat> but not for me. I went to work for a startup that was um, super fast growth. Um, in the information products industry. And pretty quickly, you know, we were number 21 on the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies my first year and, and number 186 my second year. Um, so I went an inch deep, a mile wide and, and, you know, scaled a huge team and got a ton of, you know, experience. And we were actually doing, um, you know, in the information products realm. So we were actually getting to train small business owners and um, do stuff, for, whether it be subject matter specific or up to and including, you know, sort of MBA in a day type programming. Um, and that was fun and I, and I really, really enjoyed it, you know, and I think, um, you know, that was, that was really awesome. And then my, my buddy, uh, Taylor, who I went to school with and, you know, his, at the time, you know, partner in life, Katie, who I grew up in the same neighborhood with had started a company, um, called Epic Provisions. And it was only, a it was in its infancy and only a few months old and it was taken off and they said, Hey, we need, we need some help kind of professionalizing this, um, really helping to scale it fast and still culture train people, you know, bring that level of expertise that you have, um, both from the academic background and from, um, 
your background in, um, you know, fast growth mission-based startups. Mm-hmm. And we joined forces on, 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 on Epic from, you know, we'll call it day two and, uh, and, and, and grew that thing rather, rather quickly and done some real, done some really great stuff that we're incredibly proud of on the mission for Epic and eventually sold it. Right. And, you know, for me, that was that, 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 intersection or that collision of, of my personal passions and my professional passions, right? Because I grew up uh, in the Texas Hill Country, you know, hunting my own animals, living on family, you know, land, growing up on the green belt, trying to spend as much time in there. And so conservation has always been, you know, important to me, health and lifestyle. You know, I grew up playing sports, you know, doing triathlons, riding bikes have always been critically important to me. And, you know, finding this path where, those things could combine really brought to life what you hear so often. And I think so often is heard on either deaf ears or, or frustrated ears, which is, you know, do what you love and success will follow. Um, you know, I'm a living example of that and, and feel grateful for it. Um, and that, that those, um, you know, that the path I'm on has, has given me the opportunities it has. Mm-hmm. And, and- Epic was that second company I had referred to earlier with the incredible name. Um, and I was a big fan of Epic uh, myself for a long period of times. And just one of those, again, incredible brands that you got introduced to. Um, like I got introduced to Epic back in the, I guess, my pseudo paleo period CrossFit box workout every day kind of thing and, and got hooked on on Epic and just amazing to see what transpired with, with that company. When you go through something like that, uh, going into business with friends on day two, mm-hmm. um, scaling and growing and, and ultimately exiting as y'all did, um, on really quite a grand scale. Um, how does, how does that feel? Like what changes? Well, and then, and then we ran it uh, for General Mills for the next three years too. <clears throat> um, after we sold it, yeah, you know, I think um, it certainly gives you some some real perspective on what what limiting beliefs are. Um, you know, and 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 I and I think you know we use this for motivation today, and and we used it for motivation throughout our time at Epic. You know, one of the lessons that we took from that that we applied was you know everything that we ever tried to do was impossible until we did it. Um, and so often we would come up with an idea that we were told was bad or impossible and it ended up being great. Um, and we just found a way, you know, and, and, you know, having that tangible, um, realized event, you know, on, on a series of impossible, um, successes, you know, leading to something that you said, you know, like, like you said, at a grand scale, you know, really gives you and and inspires you with the confidence, um, to push the envelope and to raise the bar. And, you know, that is what we're doing here with force of nature. You know, we took and did incredible things with Epic, you know, selling, you know, one and a half ounce meat bars and some jerky and some other stuff. And and now we're, you know, taking similar ideals and values and missions, again, improving the health of humans, improving, improving the health of our lands, improving the welfare and the health of animals. And then instead of doing that at one and a half ounces at a time, we're, we're doing it pounds at a time. You know, and instead of being in a, in a, in a few billion dollar industry, we're in a $90 billion industry and we want to change it for the better. You know, we want, um, we want to deliver, um, you know, food that consumers are proud of and, and that for generations in the future, um, they can, they can be proud of and, and have food stability and, and, and so on, which is, which is in question. Um, was that always 
part of the plan or at least kind of the goal or the mindset or, you know, maybe even that sticky note on the, on the wall where it's, if, if we do this, then I'm going to go do this, you know, in here, like there's, okay, we can build this, we can grow this, we can scale this. If we can go here, then I really want to go here. I want to do this, give back here, create, or, and, and to an extent, is that really force of nature, you know, now for you? You know, I don't, I don't think we had the, if then, um, necessarily, but we certainly always had grand aspirations. Um, and those evolve. And I think a good example would be, you know, at Epic, our legacy, our legacy goals, right? We thought these were moonshots, we're reaching for the stars. You know, we wanted Epic to be a household name. Um, and we wanted to directly impact the conversion of a million acres of agriculture land from conventional industrial chemical agriculture into regenerative, um, you know, planet based ecosystem balancing regenerative agriculture. Um, and, and we wanted to support, you know, a, a, you know, a not-for-profit called Savory Institute that, that we work with. Those are kind of our, our legacy and, and their objective. Those are our legacy goals, right? You know, we realized, you know, I think an Epic bar is sold every one or two seconds in the United States. And, and, you know, we've since not only achieved conversion of a million acres, but surpassed it. And so for force of nature, you know, now our goal isn't to directly impact the conversion of a million acres. It's to directly and indirectly impact the conversion of a billion acres. Um, and not for our brand necessarily to be a household name, but for regenerative agriculture to be a household term, much like organic is now. Um, so it's affected, you know, the, the experience again, sort of gave us the confidence and the belief that we can go out and make a, make a meaningful and impactful difference in the world. You know, the last, the last objective for force of nature is to have a 1% share in the U S meat market. It seems very small. It seems, you know, like we're setting our sights low, you know, you just got to keep inside keep in mind, we're talking about a massive market and, and we're not out there trying to create control over it either. You know, we're trying to almost re-democratize meat. It's very much a share crop system. It's very much few players at massive scale and a very brittle, very unstable system benefiting at the expense of many. Um, and, you know, we, we certainly want to have our own successes, um, you know, in the traditional business sense. But for us, a greater importance is um, modeling that you can be not only financially successful, but that this mission and this way of creating food and supporting rural communities and um, our lands and consumers um, can be scaled. And if we can achieve that 1%, then the ripple effect of the industry to all of the other good actors out there and to the consumers uh, would just be massive. Mm. I want to go deeper into force of nature specifically, but I got to ask you, the more, the more you talk, the more I get interested in, like, what does your day look like? You know, your routine, you've talked a little bit in the past about balance and, and the three P's in your life. Um, you mentioned physical, professional, you know, and, and personal. Um, with these math, massive goals, you talk about 1%, but how big 1% is, you know, in a billion acres and change. Um, with big, with big goals, with big success, you know, behind you, how, how do you balance it? What does your day look like in terms of staying, you know, balanced physically, mentally, having fun, but also driving towards this, this big professional goal you know, with a new business and a new brand? <clears throat> yeah, you know, it, it probably looks like chaos <laughs> to be, to be, to be blunt. Um, 
but you know, but, 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 but I have my system and in, in, in way of managing, you know, it just, I'd say my priorities um, and the, and the way that those translate into how I manage my day, you know, revolve around, you know, this business and its mission, our team and my family and friends, you know, and, and I try to make sure that every day I'm asking myself the question, what am I doing to improve my, you know, progress towards my goals or to improve my relationships and all of those things. Uh, and I try to make sure I have something on my, on my, my calendar and I do make a, a daily to-do list um, to invest in, 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 in not just each of those avenues, but something within each of those avenues. Um, mm. And, you know, for me in the morning too, personally, it's a routine of waking up, spending some time with my dogs, having a cup of coffee, doing a brief sort of getting grounded meditation, making sure I'm not looking at my phone and I'm focusing on my breathing for at least 10 or 20 minutes. Um, and, 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 and I like to do a little bit of reading in the morning. I, I'm, I'm fortunate to have good sleep habits. So when I lay down in bed, I go to sleep. I can't, I can't open a book or, um, you know, I just end up falling asleep and losing my page. So I try to make sure I do a little bit of reading in the morning at least. And then that way I can start my day, um, with, with that level of productivity. I used to work out in the morning. Um, I'm, I let myself be more flexible with that, especially, you know, seasonality wise, you know, in Texas, it, you know, it can be, as we saw a few weeks ago, it can be single digits. And as we'll be reminded of in a couple of months, it can be triple digits. And so, you know, as long as I'm getting 20 minutes of activity a day um, outside, um, then, you know, I'm checking that box. And in my normal, you know, workouts are a lot longer than 20 minutes, right? You know, um, my wife and I'll do CrossFit together every once in a while. I'll still go do yoga. I like to do trail running and biking and you know, other sort of adventuring. And I, ideally those workouts are lasting more than an hour, maybe, you know, upwards of two hours sometimes, but again, minimum of just being active every day. Um, and then, yeah, between that and the force of nature stuff, it's, it's, it's really triage, you know, it's routine connect points and building an understanding and, um, with the team around me, uh, of what my expectations are, you know, what their style and preferences are, and then finding a, a, a rapport and a cadence that we can connect um, and make sure that we're, we're, we're staying aligned, but it's, you know, there's no perfect recipe for how, how to, how to do it and make it look easy and eloquent. I'm sure if you were here watching me closely, you'd think I was, you know, some sort of a lunatic. So <laughs> I think there's always opportunity in, in chaos. And I think that there's, uh, also, uh, you know, anyone who makes it look easy or it appears, um, uh, probably covering for something, <laughs> something far more real, you know, than that. Um, yeah. I'd love to say I have this perfect recipe and I'm, and I, and I, and, 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 I'm, and I'm flawless and perfect, but I'm, I'm definitely not, you know, I'm, I'm constantly tinkering with having a system. I have a system. I'm constantly tinkering with it to see how I can improve it. What, what, what I'll adopt and what I'll be able to hold myself accountable to. And, you know, how that evolves as my preferences change, you know, being married is, is different and, you know, you know, having, founding and being a CEO is different, you know, so those things need, you need to give yourself the grace to allow those things to adapt. Um, but you still got to have that accountability in there as well. I, I like that a lot um, about giving yourself grace and yet maintaining accountability. How is building a team and a culture uh, changed for you? I mean, obviously, you know, when Epic was on its, its trajectory, very different times, you know, and now with, with forces of nature meets and you're based in Austin, like, where is your team? How have you built it up? Are you able to, to see each other? Is it a different experience? Do you, 
do you like it, you know, comparatively speaking, um, culture-wise and productivity-wise? Yeah, you know, it's one of my proudest things about Epic is um, that we not only, we built a great uh, team, we, did, we accomplished wonderful things together and there was no singular or individual person that did it. You know, we did it all as, as a team. Um, but what makes me most proud is that after that acquisition, I don't think we had any, um, you know, any turnover, unplanned turnover uh, for two to three years after. Um, so it wasn't like we, one, sold the company and everybody got terminated or two, sold the company and the culture changed so much, everybody had, headed for the hills, you know. Um, so I'm really, really proud that we were able to create and maintain not only that culture, but that stability for, for, for people. You know, with Force of Nature, um, you know, I've been in a lot of companies and startups um, and been an employee and been a leader and executive in, 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 in ones that I'm proud of and ones that I'm not. And, um, and learned a lot along the way to about what it's like to build um, culture. And the, only, the, the, the one thing I can say definitively is that every business is going to have a different culture. And every single person that you hire and bring into that business is going to change the culture every single one. And sometimes it's for the better and sometimes it's for the worst. And sometimes it's, it's, it's hard to tell, you know, which is which with, with, with force of nature, obviously, you know, I think Epic, we launched in 11 or 12, you know, force of nature was launched in 19. It's a different world today. Um, working remote is normal. Um, and you know, that's a factor. I think there's a lot to like about it. You know, personally, I'm eager to, uh, to have a, a home base and an office where we can interact and function more as a team. You know, I grew up playing, playing team sports and um you know as much as I like going home to my family I can't imagine trying to play a baseball game where everybody's in a different geography you know and that's mm-hmm. that's how it that's how it feels to me sometimes Comple- running, completely running understand um, but but I think that autonomy though and I think that you know that having more confidence and trust and being more flexible with your with your with your with your team is critically important this day and age if you're going to be successful and I think we've learned a lot you know, about that. Um, look, we've got 200 people at my, at my firm. Uh, it was a culture where everybody was in the office for the most part all day, every day. Um, and what we've really learned during this time is we're fully capable of working remotely, that high performers are going to perform at a high level. And by the way, there are my dogs, if you can hear them right now. So, so t- it's, the timing is perfect about working from home. You know? <laughs> yeah. Choose the dogs. Yeah. They're literally probably 1,500 feet away, uh, and I can still hear them, like as if they're right next to us right now. So, so a little more training on the dog front would be good too. But yeah, I think there's been something really great about being able to get involved in people's lives, and and there's in a, in a more human fashion, you know, you know what their condition, living conditions kind of look like, feel like, who's a cat person, who's a dog person. We've become more open and transparent um, with it, even just as far as personal style and showing up for Zoom calls or, or Zencaster recordings like this one. Um, I think people are more respectful of time, you know, in a lot of ways too, uh, and, and yearn for some connection. So they're respectful of time and how these things are done. I just think we've we've learned a lot from it. Um, and some people genuinely want to be back in an environment or see people closer and other people are really doing well in this. And I think there's room for all of it going forward, no matter what transpires or what we are allowed or permitted to do, uh, going forward. I feel like there's a way for everybody to win and everybody to be successful in this based upon how you work and live in your most authentic and productive way. 
Yeah, and, and, and I think I think there's pros and cons to, to all of it. You know, I think the future is going to be a, a hybrid model in most instances. Um, you know, I don't think all work is created equal either. In, you know, and certainly not all businesses, right? You know, a large international business with offices all across the world, you know, the being physically present in one of those offices is, is becomes less and less relevant. They already have the systems and, and, and the processes and culture in place, you know, to be a small startup, um, a little bit different, you know, again, again, pros and cons. I do think, especially on the heels of what we learned over the last year, as it relates to, um, our social character and our social nature, um, that being distant has, has downsides too. And I think there's certain, um, interpersonal components and, and factors that are really important in the startup phase as well. So like I said, for, for us, I think, you know, a hybrid model going forward, a place where we can interact and be together and appreciate, um, you know, the, the reality that we're a team and family um, is, is going to be critically important. You know, I've never been and certainly won't be in the future. One of these clock punching. Why are you early? Why are you late? It's more like, are you getting your work done? I trust that you're an adult. Um, so, you know, I think my, my, my view has certainly changed and, and evolved. Um, it's made me more open to some things and more resolute in others. Um, Let's talk about Force of Nature Meets. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love and appreciate your personal journey here. I always think that food, products, Everything feels better, tastes better when you know the people you know behind it. So I appreciate you going, letting letting me go down that path for a while, and just hearing your story and your personal journey and what got you here. I am a and we talked about this right before we probably hit the button. I'm I'm a meat and potatoes guy <laughs> overall. Um, as far as nutrition goes, you know, my wife and I are are big foodies. Uh, I've gone down the paleo, keto, never really gone down the the vegan um, or even plant-based road, but I'm eating a lot more of, of those types of products because I like them and they just happen to taste taste good and they've entered my circle. But it but I eat a lot of meat in there. So this certainly intrigued me. And one thing you know I want to learn and I want to hear from you is kind of the the story about force of nature meats how it's different, why we should be giving it a try, integrating it into, into our lifestyles or my own personal lifestyle. Um, and also how to also just get it. You know, we talked about kind of how people's buying habits uh, are changing. You know, how do you get to know and trust a brand and be able to order it and have it come to your house? All of those things that you're, that you're tasked with, you know, right now. Yeah, no, you know, it's, it's funny. I think, you know, how do you come to trust a brand, um, in, in a world and in an environment where, um, there's so much misdirection, so much greenwashing, um, you know, so much dishonest intention behind the efforts of large organizations aimed at getting something from you, maybe against your inherent desires, right? How can, I, how can we construct a narrative that'll get you down our path? You know, plant-based is doing a good job of that these days. Um, you know, I think, I think a, good, a good starting point for that is, you know, listen to what we say, but watch what we do. Um, and, and, and are you willing to be transparent? Are you willing to have open, holistic, and honest conversations about 
what, where your aspirations are, where your imperfections are and, and, and the journey that you, that you're on and invite people into that. Right. Um, you know, for, for, for force of nature, um, for us, again, it is about, you know, you mentioned a second ago about, you know, it's important to know where your food comes from, you know, getting to know me. Well, that's only part of it, right? You know, in the past where our food came from would be you went out and picked it or you went out and harvested it and you, you produced your food from nature. Um, and the reality is we all still produce our food from nature. We've delegated and distanced ourselves from the, you know, the, the, the act of hunting or gathering. Um, and in doing so, we've, we've allowed blind, we've put blinders on and entrusted <clears throat> industries, biz, other businesses and organizations to, to do that uh, for us and represent our best interest. And the way they translated that ask was, hey, let's drive costs down and sell this stuff more cheaply and sell more of it and make more money in the process. <clears throat> it wasn't necessarily, hey, let's make the best tasting most healthy food that is the most considerate <clears throat> to all stakeholders, um, you know, in our supply chain and more broadly. Um, and then, and then let's, you know, make sure that obviously it's, it's reasonably affordable and so on. Um, and I think a lot of consumers are wising up to that. You, you, you see today, you know, over half, and in some cases upwards of 70, 80% of consumers are looking for better for me options upwards of 60, 70% of consumers are looking for, um, you know, better for the environment op options. Similarly, you know, almost three quarters of consumers are looking for better for animal welfare options. <clears throat> you see the emergence and the popularity and momentum being built around plant-based under the, just simply under the pretense that it delivers on those three things I just mentioned, right? Better for me, better for the planet, better for animals. Um, and, and, and while true in some cases, it's also not true in others, it's just become, you know, synonymous and they've gotten a free, you know, the bad actors on that side of the space of, of agriculture space have gotten a free pass. So, you know, I think, again, going, I, I, if, if the question is, how do you create better food and connect people to the story of that food and give them the confidence that what you're doing represents their best interests? I think you start with engaging them in a dialogue, finding out what their interests even are, because not your interests are going to be different than mine. My interests are different than my wife, let alone you know, my neighbor and you know, a broader set of communities, we're all different. We're all an N of one. And it may be a different thing that you value that we can deliver on. You know, what I want to do is just be transparent about who we are, um, be transparent about the system um, that you may currently be supporting as a consumer, you know, knowingly or unknowingly, when you make a purchase, you're electing a system, you are casting a vote every single time. Uh, you don't get to bury your head in the sand and say, hey, it's not my fault. It's not my problem. It is, you know, and you may choose not to be overly concerned. Why about are we it, generative? Participating. I mean, you're obviously, well, we should be eating meat. You're for eating meat. We should, you're for eating force of nature meats, obviously. Um, why force of nature meats? Why regenerative? Help, help get me to what kind of meat and why I should be eating this way. Yeah, there's so many, there's so many reasons. Um, and, and any combination of them may appeal to various people depending on their, their values. Right. I think, you know, for, for starters, I think I don't want, I don't want to preach my values and expect somebody else to have the same values. Right. What I do want <clears throat> is to create clarity over the system and let somebody decide for themselves what's most appropriate for them. And the current system doesn't allow for that. Generally speaking, 
because there are things behind the curtain that most consumers would be turned off by and that those industrial um, system advocates don't want consumers to see. So, you know, they, they are shielded. They pull the wool over their eyes. You know, my, my belief is let's be honest and transparent about the system and, and, and what it is. And so I think as people learn and see, hey, you know, I don't want a system that promotes a continued decline in rural America where farmers and ranchers that have been on their generational lands for five plus um, generations are being forced off their land. And Bill Gates is acquiring up all that land. Um, you know, to the tune of five to 10,000 farms a year have been lost in the United States every single year going back decades, right? You know, that, that, that further centralizes food and that leads to this brittle, unstable, insecure system like we saw back in, you know, the first weeks of the pandemic where we had a shortage of meat. Consumers wanted meat and couldn't get it on the shelves of grocery stores. And yet producers had meat that they were actually having to kill. Um, and euthanize because they didn't have a way to get it into a processor. And so we had excess meat and excess, excess supply and excess demand simultaneously, but the system was so inefficient and so brittle uh, that it couldn't handle it, right? It could be that you're an individual who's very motivated on environmental issues, and you're as frustrated as I am by the fact that there is now trace amounts of glyphosate being found it, which is, you know, that Monsanto cancer causing uh, pesticide, there's trace amounts of glyphosate being found in breast milk and that pollinators are dying off around the globe because of the application of chemicals and that we have dead zones in the ocean and we're amidst of a mass to the scale beyond even the last asteroid hundreds of millions of years ago die off of life on this planet. And you want to make sure that you're promoting a system that's going to help um, give us uh, you know, reverse some of those trends and give us the ability to produce, you know, food in the future. You know, it may be that you're very health and fitness motivated and you want to feed yourself and your family the absolute best, healthiest stuff on uh, that, that you can possibly get your hands of. Well, not only is meat the healthiest food for you, you know, but let's just, let's just, let's just create a simple picture and put it in simple terms. Do you want to eat food that came from unhealthy, sedentary, sick animals that have never been happy or lived the day of, of, of their evolutional or evolutionary potential in their life? Or do you want to eat food that came from a system where the, the food itself is happy and healthy and is eating diverse diet? It was thriving and its own, you know, nutrient and mineral uh, profile is, 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 is showing the benefit from it. Right. You know, so it's whether you want healthy food, whether you want healthy planets, whether you want animal welfare, you know, whether it's about supporting farmers in rural America or whether it's about, um, you know, making sure that in time we can have more and better access to better food and we're eliminating food deserts. All of these are reasons why I would say people may choose um, to support us up to and including, um, you know, where one of our taglines is, you know, reclaiming the legacy of meat. Meat's un under attack right now. And me personally, part of my identity, part of who I am centers around you know, being able to hunt and harvest my own meat. And I, you know, I, I take that attack personally. So, you know, I want to support a company that's going out and not only taking on that, that, that fight, um, but doing something positive with it. How do you build your own system in a way for this? I mean, the way that your operating force of nature meets, like, where, where is it all? How are you processing? How are you 
getting your messages out to consumer? How are consumers receiving the products? Um, and then I'd love to love to hear some of the feedback also that you guys are getting and how you're evolving and working through that as well. Yeah, you know, I think that's part of the beauty of what what we're doing. Um, it, you know, as far as how do we scale it, how do we grow it, what's the system? Um, you know, I think on one hand and one extreme, you have what these you know plant based companies are doing, and it's they're creating technology and they're patenting um, processes. Um, to, to control and have ex, an exclusive right to be, you know, to some form or mechanism of, of manufacturing food. And it really limits what, what they can do. Um, and in my opinion, sounds really complicated to take food and then to do a bunch of complicated stuff to turn it still into food. Why didn't you just feed the food to consumers? Um, you know, if you want to feed people soybeans and feed them soybeans, don't turn it into something. Um, you know, for us, we're, we're taking a much more simple approach. You know, we, we still have technology. It's just technology that are, is the lessons learned from evolutionary biology, science. Um, and instead of trying to monopolize that technology, I would call it open source. You know, so we're taking the technology of how to raise and grow food in harmony with nature um, and trying to help spread that word and get more and more existing farms and existing producers to change their 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 uh, practices and to improve them and raise the bar so that their own family, their own community, their animals, their land are positively impacted, their own balance sheet and financials are positively impacted, um, and then you know they're able to take that product and get it into a supply network that we're working on building and are continuing to work on building. You know that gets into the hands of consumers who want to support that farmer and that rancher and their practices and that system. You know, we're not taking on the burden of being the farm, raising the animals, being the processor, being the slaughterhouse, you know, being the distributor. We're trying to partner with and collaborate with and scale with many producers, many processors, many distributors, and again, reach as many consumers as possible. Our job is to connect, you know, to create awareness and access for consumers and connect them to a supply chain. That's that's our job for the consumer. Our job for the producer is to justify their effort, to de-risk the investment, to allow them to realize their vision and potential on the land and connect them to a system that those consumers are connected to, right? So we're the middle man connecting everybody to what they want to get um, mm-hmm. and, and you know, ideally creating value for, for everybody in doing so. And how is that being received on both the consumer side and the producer side, um, or are you seeing it one, the consumers are all for it. You know, the feedback has been on, or, but the producers are harder to get over the hurdle and here are the reasons why, or the producers have always wanted to do it, you know, this way. Thank you for coming to me, you know, and giving me the chance to do it. Now we have to educate the consumers on, you know, on pricing and quality and process, um, you know, and our why in there. Yeah. You know, I think, it's, it's being received extremely well. You know, I think consumers don't like being lied to and don't like being used. And many of them, you know, I think something like 80% of consumers bought a, an orga- organic item last year. You know, people don't pay premiums for no reason whatsoever. The vast majority of consumers are willing to pay a little bit more if they perceive that what they are getting is a little bit better for them, a little bit better for, you know, again, that broader group of stakeholders that we talked about, you know, meets no exception. And, and, um, 
you know, so I think consumers are excited to have options that they're that more again better align with their values and are excited and, and even to have the curtains peeled back and you know even if they learn something that you know is upsetting to know that they can do something about it um on the on the on the other side with the producers how's it going with them again extremely well right you got to think about what their experience is as i as i shared a moment ago the average age, or as I shared a moment ago, most family farms, you know, 10,000 or so a year are failing, you know? And so the plight of the American farmer and the American rancher is really, really difficult right now. They're extremely in debt. The average age of, of is, is over 60. Most next generation, you know, the kids that were, would stay, would stay home are leaving home. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're watching their community fall apart and collapse um, their financial stability is in decline or uncertain at best. Um, it's really, really, really difficult for them. And as a necessity, they've been, you know, that puts them in a position where it's a desperate time and that recall, it calls for desperate measures. And sometimes that means you grew up being a rancher and all of a sudden now you have a brand and you're running an e-commerce business and you're vertically integrated to have your own slaughterhouse. And now you're working with a retailer and, and you have to, you know, all of a sudden you have 2000 acres and 200 employees, you know, and that's if you're exceptionally successful. Um, so by necessity, they're having to get creative in ways that, you know, go above and beyond being on the land. And even still at their scale, there's so much priority confusion and limitation, what they can do. So to be able to work with us and um, where we can allow them and support them in doing what it is they want to do, which is again, improve their land, improve the welfare of their animals, improve their bottom line. And, Make sure that they have something to continue their legacy. Um, you know, they're 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 absolutely thrilled about it. Um, and you know, to know that we're further not only working with us as in their benefit, but as we succeed, we continue to build more awareness, appreciation, and demand for regenerative protein. So whether or not we continue to have a relationship with them in the future or not, should they elect to do something differently, they're better positioned for it. Right? We've all been growing regenerative together. Generally speaking, though, I, I can't think of really any instances where we've had a supply partner choose not to work with us in the future. We've pretty much kept everybody, um, you know, wanting to grow with us along the way, but they have that, they certainly have that autonomy and to know that they're, you know, they're not going to be the ones left holding the bag with something that nobody wants. You know, they're, they're investing in a system that is the future of food and they're, and they're happy to have us as a liaison um, to support them along the way. Is this retail or direct to consumer um, in, as, in these times also? I mean, we're not going to shows anymore or markets. I mean, again, getting buyers. Like, do you have a preference, um, a direction for for the company? Or is it we, we want our message everywhere, you know, and we need both, you know, all of the above? Yeah, I mean, I think we should talk a little bit about specifically what is unique about Force of Nature that hasn't been done in meat, right? So, you know, we're the first meat brand founded on regenerative principles. Um, again, you know, those principles really tie around how our food is produced and ensuring it provides the maximum benefit to all stakeholders um, and that it promotes a system that actually can continue to pr produce food in the future, which our current industrial food system um, is projected to no longer be not just sustainable in an, in an ecological sense, no longer to be sustainable in a, we will not be able to produce food in the future sense. Um, so 
you know, that, 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 that is a huge, um, you know, benefit to, you know, one of the things we are doing. We are also, um, one of the few, very, very, very few companies that are omni-channel to your point. We don't just sell in retail grocery stores. We're in thousands of retail distribution points across the country, many, many grocery chains growing incredibly rapidly, but we also sell online direct to consumer, consumer, consumer can go to our webpage, uh, forceofnature.com, go to our shopping section and order anything you want. We'll deliver it directly to your door. And we're also in food service. Um, when restaurant business picks back up, you can you know, once again, find us in, in, in restaurants and stuff. And then the last thing that we do, um, and sorry, I should, I should add that the, an additional nuance is that we're in all of those uh, channels on a national scale. It's very unusual for a meat brand to be on a national scale. Cause again, most meat brands are vertically integrated. You only have as much as you have land to impact, right. And, and to grow food on. And then the last thing that we're doing is we're a, a, a available across proteins. So we're available. We have beef, the, the traditional proteins in beef, poultry, like, um, you know, chicken, uh, pork, um, and then we have, you know, lesser uh, known, but very exciting and fast growing exotic animals like bison, elk, venison, wild boar, you know, all being raised in systems that are support, supporting outcomes that, you know, are, are in, in those vein that, that veins that, that we're promoting and, and what we've talked about on this on this show already. So we're doing something that hasn't been done at a scale that hasn't been done across proteins that hasn't been done in, in a way that hasn't been done all geared to and in the vein of can we make the job as simple as possible for consumers? There's one brand with one story, widely available, however and wherever you want to shop with whatever protein you want to buy. Easy as it gets. Um, and so, you know, that is sort of in a nutshell what force of nature and how force of nature is, is working to serve consumers and the importance of, and the reason we want to serve consumers um, you know, in addition to being a viable business is because we want to promote a food revolution and there is no food revolution without the consumer. I think that is like one of the key messages to take mm-hmm. home. The consumer is in control. Nobody will produce an item that a consumer is not willing to buy. And if consumers send demand signals by having access to a market to send demand signals and they say, hey, we expect more, we want better, everybody will fall in the line. Um, and I think that's, you know, I think one, one of the biggest and most important messages I hope um, anybody listening to, to this show gets is that you are in control. Um, and, um, you know, where, where, where and who and what brands you support and purchase from, from matter. I, I hope that's some, some extra helpful context. Um, into into really what is. we're doing and, and and how and why it's 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 working. It really is, um, and and I appreciate that too. And I think one aspect of again making the availability of force of nature meats kind of so widespread in the way you've been able to do it um, certainly makes it accessible. But one thing that I think you guys have also done really well, and I wanted to point out, is you've got an incredible website at forceofnature.com. Um, and just from our first conversation offline and setting this up, just going there, I'm able to just click on the word regenerate. Um, and it takes me through the, the mission, the background, how regenerative agriculture works. I mean, it really it taught me a lot. Um, and I can click to buy if I want to there. Or again, I can go into the store, whichever store it is, maybe it's Whole Foods, Central Market, wherever you guys guys are where, where I am in in Houston and you're in Austin and you said nationwide, 
but I've been educated. I've been brought up to speed on who you guys are, how you do things, what force of nature is really doing. Um, and to your point, consumers have choices and, and we're voting with our, with our wallets and our heads and our hearts and our brains at this point. So I just thought it was great to be able again, especially now being at home, more time on our hands. And I think buying habits have changed as I touched on earlier and the amount of research that people are willing to put in before they make a purchase, um, maybe less impulse, you know, more homework and where they're going to allocate uh, their capital, you know, in there. So I just thought you guys have done a great job with, with the website and I'm looking at this whole kind of almost timeline um, esque kind of thing between sun and rain and proper grazing and ruminant animal. And I can geek out on this stuff, but I just think you guys have done a really good job of it. Um, and it's certainly for, for me and I know others out there, it kind of drives that impetus to, to make a purchase, to give it a try, which I think is most important. Yeah. You know, I think regenerative agriculture, all the science, technology, everything we're doing and not doing and the why behind it is really complex. And I think too often people can confuse complex with impossible. It may be the, the, the reality behind everything we're doing may be complex, but, but the, the, the solution or the step to take is simple. Um, you know, if you want to, if you want to support a company that is advocating for a better way in your meat purchasing, then support force of nature. If you want to do the diligence and go to the nth degree and visit the, you know, and find, we, we make that available. And so we're, again, we're really trying to tailor it to, um, to the consumer and make, that whatever first step they want to take as, as convenient and easy for them, whether it's to educate themselves or to, or to trust us on the information that we're, that we're sending out. Um, I, I just can't emphasize a, a, enough how, how important that it, it is um, in any business that you make the job of your customer and, 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 and your consumer um, be simple and you make that experience exceptional. And so to your point, what's most important is, is them, you know, buying something. I would say actually, no, for, for us, that's, that's not really what we would consider most important. Absolutely. I'm going to unapologetically sell my products and I, and we need to grow our revenue and want to sell more. And in doing so, we can continue to support more farmers and more producers and do more meaningful and exciting things. Um, but what's important, you know, to me first and foremost is to get somebody to go to the website and, and, you know, figure out, um, what aspect of this conversation is interesting and relevant and valuable to them and to engage. Um, and, uh, you know, our job is to invite them into a conversation where, where hopefully they continue to, to educate themselves and become more informed and be better um, consumers and be better, um, you know, constituents themselves and serving, you know, their own values and their communities and, and their interests. And ideally that will transform and evolve into a, you know, desire in them to purchase from us or to purchase from somebody that, that, that we support. And we're not bashful about talking some of the ranches or talking about some of the other operations that, 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 we, that we work with. And if somebody comes into the conversation by way of force of nature and they end up buying a product from um, somebody that, that we source from, I'm okay with that. That's a win for me. You know, it's a, a win for regenerative agriculture and a win for our mission is a win for us, even if it doesn't translate into a sell. There's plenty to go around. It's a real big pie. Like I said, our goal is 1% of that pie. Um, I got no problem sharing. Mm. Does age play a factor in this at all? I'm just kind of switching it over. I'm obviously in the midlife male here. Um, when I put that hat on for a second, does age play a factor in, in 
meat consumption or ratio, you know, in your diet or nutrition or maybe your advice to to men or consumers, you know, there again, as he said, I'm I'm a meat eater myself. Um, like to, to think and continue to get better again about the meat I eat, um, the quantity, you know, overall, you just hear things. Oh, should I be eating less red meat? You know, should I be eating more again plants and vegetables? Should I be eating poultry instead of red meat as much, or is it again more about you know to you, the the process and the type? In there, I'm just curious of your thoughts. Is 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 age a factor, and is process and type a factor, bigger factor? I, I guess in, in what, right? Because age is age is always a factor in access to information, willingness. You know, we could go into the age demographics and 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 and, and how different age groups think about diet and think about meat. Is that is that the question, or I guess that mm-hmm. last part kind of threw me. Yeah, that that's that's the heart of the question. Um, again, as a middle aged guy, how much meat should I be eating? The type of meat that I should be eating, um, and the answer is not to not eat it at all, right? Um, right? I think I think so. You know, just just to to make it simple, and then to kind of help folks figure out what what makes sense for them, I'd say, you know, by and large, as as humans, we evolved to eat meat. So yes, we should be eating meat. And I think as we look at more and more of the research um, that's coming out and and, 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 and and a more and more in-depth understanding of the nuance of research research from the past that that led to um, our prior beliefs, you know, and things around um, healthy user bias and things around standard American diet versus a diet of somebody that has, um, you know, uh, a, a vegan diet, which which may, you know, have less likelihood of smoking, more likelihood of exercising, less likelihood of alcohol abuse, you know, all of these sorts of things, and you start to control for um, all else remaining equal. It's it's proving out time and again that meat is an incredibly essential um, part of the plate, regardless of, of of age group. I think when you look at how that plays out in practice, you know, older older people have less access to. And, and are less trained by the internet and, and most emerging. They're, they're not going to be the early adopter as frequently as somebody, you know, young, that, that may be younger, or they may be making more trips to a doctor that was trained very little in diet and yet is relying on diet advice and guidance that was published 30 years ago um, and continuing to promote that because that's how our system works. So, you know, I'd say there, those, there's, there's definitely a, a disparity in the experience and, 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 and ultimately in the, the rate of consumption. It doesn't change the reality that, again, by and large, meat not only should be a part of your diet, but it should be a considerable part of your diet and especially red meat. Um, you know, there's a whole can of worms to unpack there about the emergence of chicken and uh, uh, versus, versus red meat. But um, I think the other aspect of it is how much should you eat? Well, you know, I, I do think that we should acknowledge that we, we are all different individuals. And I, you know, I think we're all an in of one and, and the most appropriate diet for each of us is the most appropriate diet for each of us. And it may differ in, in, in great or in subtle ways from the person sitting next to us. And you need to do your own um, experimentation and trialing to figure out where and how you feel the best. Um, and there's, there's, there's programs for that and practices for that and businesses that help with that. But um, you know, again, ultimately a starting point, um, for anybody, if you don't want to take that level of effort would be eat meat, eat healthy meat, limit processed foods, limit carbs and sugars, right. Um, and limit, 
uh, seed oils, um, especially cooked seed oils. Mm. Great, great stuff. Um, great takeaways and great perspective on it. Robbie, I really want to thank you for giving me so much time uh, today and being on the show, sharing your story, telling us more about Force of Nature Meat, your journey along the way, um, how we can get more involved. Where do people find you, the company and the brand uh, to learn more and get more? Yeah, I'd say, you know, we mentioned the website, forceofnature.com. Um, you know, our, our, we have blogs, we have, you know, science and data and transparency about our, our livestock and our team and who we are. And again, we want to, we value our consumer. We want to have a relationship with our consumer consumer. And unlike, you know, the conventional meat system that we're replacing, um, you know, we, we want to have open, honest dialogue. So come check out our website, check out the products that we have available, um, for sale there. Um, you can buy them straight up there, or you can, again, figure out where, what retail store or grocery store you like to shop at and, and where we are near, nearby. Um, I'd also encourage you, if you're somebody that you know, is active on social media, to check us out on Instagram. Every day we're, we're putting really great and really interesting, whether it be expiring or edu- inspiring or educational content, uh, and that is at Force of Nature Meets on Instagram. And, and again, you know, I'd love it if you bought something fr- from us, but, but you know, before, our, before that, I totally am happy with and I would appreciate just following and getting engaged and being a part of the conversation. And hopefully we'll open up your mind to something that leads you um, to, um, you know, feeding yourself and your family with, with food that you feel more excited about and um, optimistic about and ultimately more um, connected to. Yep. I c- could not agree with you more. I think that's what it's what it's all about. Robbie Sansom, CEO, co-founder, Force of Nature Meats. We talked about this before. Chief Land Steward of, of the brand. Check them out. You now know where to find them. If you like what you hear on the Midlife Mail podcast, please give us that five-star rating. Leave us a nice review. Share us. Uh, with your friends, with your family, with everybody you can so we can keep the midlife male movement growing. We are back each and every week with new episodes. I got a top 25 coming out pretty soon. Um, newsletter is out every Sunday morning. And if you have not yet subscribed to that, go over to gregsheinman.com and you will have the newsletter dropped in your inbox. Uh, five things I'm into each and every week. You'll get the show notes from each and every podcast and an cool audiogram that's on there too. Robbie, thank you so much for giving me your time. Forceofnature.com. Check them out on social media at Force of Nature Meets. Really great stuff. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thanks a lot, Greg. I really appreciate it. And if you have any questions or any of your listeners have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to us again. I gave our social and I gave our website, our contact infos there. Love to hear from you. Awesome. Have a great one. You too. Thank you. and four car batteries is weak and needs to be replaced. Let our professional parts people test your battery for free at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh.